do we have to have like a pick every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the kind of the rhythm. <clears throat> Is that yeah. gonna be a thing? <laughs> it, it seems like it might be a recurring thing. Oh man. You didn't get the memo? <laughs> There's a memo? Yeah, it, it was just something we were trying out for 54 episodes. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application's performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. This episode is sponsored by railsthemes.com. Have a website only a mother could love? Then you need a theme. Go to railsthemes.com and sign up for early access, and when they release, you'll be able to check out and use their themes on your Rails app. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 55 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Avdi Grimm. That's Avdi dash Grim, not Avdi underscore Grim. Ah, uh, got it. What we, about uh, Avdi space Grim? <laughs> or we could just camel case it and Avdi Grim. Avdi non-breaking space character Grim. There you go. <laughs> M dash is that is that a dash or an M dash or an N dash? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to figure out which one has the most flair. All right. We also have David Brady. So when I was at BYU, the usernaming scheme was first name, last name, but it was clipped to eight characters. So my username was David Bra. I don't like this game. (laughs) (laughs) We also have James Edward Gray. Uh, I upgraded to Lion for this episode. (laughs) Really? Does it not not run on Snow Leopard? You know, uh, (laughs) what? Maybe we need to ask our other panelists that. I, the documentation said it did, but I had a lot of trouble. All right. Well, we'll get to him in a minute. I'm Charles Maxwood from TeachMeToCode.com, and we also have a special guest this week, and that is, and let me see if I can get this right, Laurent Sansonetti. That's perfect. Yeah. So I have to ask you real quick about your name, because um, I've, I've learned a few languages in my day, and Laurent is a French name, and Sansonetti looks like an Italian name. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I was born in Belgium. Actually, I was born in the French-speaking side of Belgium because Belgium is a is a very complicated country, and mm-hmm. we speak three langu- languages there. So, and my mom gave me a French name, but my parents are Italian. So I was born Italian, and I became Belgian later. Parli Italiano? Uh, actually, no. I don't speak Italian. I just speak <laughs> French and some English. <laughs> okay. Cool. But yeah, yeah. Laura is a uh, is, is the French version of Lorenzo in Italian. Nice. I think the um, the English version is Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Lawrence. That that's probably the the closest thing. Yep. It actually yeah. looks like Laurent. Um, yeah, spelling wise. Yeah, the the E N T is they they kind of uh, <laughs> right over. Sorry. Yeah. I'll be anyway. funnier later later in the episode, people. <laughs> take, take more Vicodin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, Laurent, you want to talk? Or you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and about Ruby Motion? Um, sure. So, well, um, well, my name is Laurent Sansonetti. That you just said it. Uh, I recently I released a, a new project called Ruby Motion, and Ruby Motion is a it's a commercial version of Mac Ruby for iOS. So I'm sure that uh, people who are listening to this podcast probably know what MacRuby is. And if you don't know, MacRuby is uh, an implementation of Ruby, but uh, based on, on on core OS X technologies like the Objective-C runtime, the foundation uh, framework, 
the LLVM uh, compiler, and all these technologies that are shipped with OS X uh, have been used to recreate the Ruby language. So that's MacRuby, and and uh, Ruby Motion is a version of MacRuby for iOS. So oh, okay. The way me. he just described that was was not didn't do it justice, though. I mean, uh, so Laurent disappears from Apple and what? is apparently missing in action for some massive period of time, and suddenly he reemerges, having reinvented Ruby for the iOS. I mean, I imagine he was in the Batcave the entire time. It, yeah. In prison for, for a crime, which he did not commit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention that. So I was working, uh, I was an Apple employee before, so I worked for Apple for uh, seven years, uh, and MacRuby was actually one of my projects there. And I left Apple six months ago, and during during these six months, I I did Ruby Motion. So this way, it explains maybe a little bit more about uh, Ruby Motion, I guess. So so what are the differences then between Mac Ruby and Ruby Motion, other than one's kind of for the Mac and one's kind of for iOS? Um, so uh, the differences are uh, first, um, Mac Ruby doesn't run iOS for various reasons, and um, but. The technical differences are that uh, in Ruby Motion there is a new uh, static compiler that uh, builds the Ruby source code into uh, machine code directly. So everything is statically built. Uh, it means that there is no just-in-time compilation at runtime. MacRuby uh, uses just-in-time compilation. So that was necessary because on the on iOS, especially on on, on devices, it is not allowed to uh, to create memory page and mark them as executable, which is one of the techniques to do just just in time compilation. Mm-hmm. So we we had to to do a static compiler. Now does and, that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, and the the other uh, technical differences are that Ruby Motion has a new memory uh, model. Uh, we wanted something more efficient for iOS, and also MacRuby uses the Objective C garbage compiler. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, garbage collector, which is not uh, available on iOS. So we had to do something different. And finally, in uh, in Ruby Motion, the runtime has been optimized a little bit to run much better on on, on iOS because uh, some iOS devices, especially the iPhone three, um, have pre- have technical limitations. So you have performance limitations. Sorry. So we had to do the runtime a little bit to work a little bit on the runtime to make sure uh, everything runs uh, a bit smoother than 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 it used to be. So these are the three main uh, technical differences um, between Ruby Motion and MacRuby. So, so you, in that six-month period, Laurent, you were building a static compiler, uh, redoing garbage collection, and adjusting the memory model to make all that work on the Mac, uh, iOS side. Yeah, that's true. So uh, that's that's true. So the, the the big part is the static compiler, of course. Everything else is a bit simpler. So are there any features in Ruby or Mac Ruby that you had to take out in order to make the static compiler work? Um, so, besides uh, eval. Sorry? Besides eval. Right. Yeah, or, maybe, so, or maybe starting with eval. Yes, that yes, was so the first I, thing I tried. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I had to remove some features of, of the Ruby language. Uh, some of the features we might be added back. Uh, for the launch, I wanted to make sure that everything was uh, uh, compliant with App Store uh, guidelines. So, for instance, I don't. There is no evil in Ruby Motion because I wasn't sure that um, interpreting code on the device was something Apple really wants people to do. So it turns out that it's allowed. 
but the 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 guidelines are uh, are not very clear. I think, I think they allow uh, people to use um, supported interpreters such as WebKit to interpret mm -hmm. code. But um, it's not really clear if, if for instance, you could you could uh, interpret Ruby code on the device. So, um, I might uh, implement an eval method on uh, on RubyMotion, but first I would like to make, to make sure that it's uh, it's compliant because I I really don't want people to get their apps. Uh, uh, blocked or uh, removed from the app store because of that. Right. Right. And the uh, the so that that's the big deal. Uh, the second the second uh, method that RubyMotion doesn't implement and that people talk about a lot is um, require uh, because RubyMotion is uh, because RubyMotion projects are statically compiled. It means that uh, you cannot require files at runtime. So all the files uh, you want in your application. Uh, they have to be provided at build time. So the compiler has to, to compile all the files uh, that, that, that you're going to use. So there is no way you can require files at runtime. So the require method raises an exception in RubyMotion. Hmm. And, um, and after that, there are um, the, the define underscore method. Uh, define underscore method is not implemented, is not implemented in RubyMotion right now. But it's, uh, it's a temporary limitation. So I might implement it back. In the future, right now, it annoys uh, people a little bit because they cannot do a metaprogramming as they would do in in Ruby. I mean, using the the regular Ruby. So this is something I, I will probably fix uh, very soon. Um, but besides that, I think that uh, oh yes, and then there are uh, I in Ruby motion, for instance, I don't allow uh, you to redefine the plus method on fix them, for instance. <laughs> My uh, favorite. This kind of things. Also, in RubyMotion, there is no uh, uh, there is no um, binding method on the proc object, on the proc class. Sorry. Binding. So yeah. This is something that has been we have been debating a lot with other uh, people working on Ruby implementations because, um, well, I don't want to open a Pandora box here, but it's um, it's a feature of Ruby that sadly slows down the way you could compile uh, functions that have blocks inside them. So there is no way you can actually uh, uh, optimize the way local variables are created because the binding method could be called on the block and you could change the value of the variable. So, so it's, a, it's actually a bit complicated. But if you Google about the method, you should, you should see uh, people complaining about it, especially uh, uh, Charles uh, Nutter, the, the GRuby guy. Yeah, so I, I actually wanted to talk about that. So just wait, to recap, wait, wait. though, on what you just said, requires not in there for fairly obvious reasons that we have to yeah. run statically, and that's not going to change. But you made it sound like eval and define method, those are not, they're not limitations that can't be overcome. It may be possible for you to add those back. Yeah. And then define, or uh, sorry, the, um, what was the last one you mentioned? Oh, that binding on binding. It's a performance issue, right? Uh, this one, yes. I, I really want people to have a very fast code because on, on iOS, especially on iOS devices, you you really need uh, applications to be fast. So um, so um, the, the binding method on PROC, I, I removed it in motion just to see if people would complain. And so far, nobody complained. So That's uh, interesting because... Um, I believe JRuby also makes some trade-offs to be more performant, right? Like by by default, don't they disable some of object space and stuff like that? But you can choose I, to have it put back in. I think, I think that's the only thing they disable. Uh, otherwise, they fully comply with uh, Ruby spec. 
And in MicroDB, we do the same. Uh, we support uh, the binding method, the, the, the prog binding uh, method in, in MicroDB. But it's, it's really, really a pain in the ass, sorry, to, uh, to support that. If, so, you want, if you want, at the same time, a good performance. So, Laurent, um, you mentioned Charles has had some complaints, and, and I thought I'd give you a chance to answer those. Like, one of, one of the discussions around RubyMotion has been that you did have to change the language to make it work on iOS, and you had to, you had to redo a few things. And obviously, there's no standard library in there because no requires, uh, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but... One of the questions is, how, how much can you change Ruby and still call it Ruby? Like, why is it Ruby Motion still? Is it is it still enough of the language to be Ruby? That that's a, that's a very good question, and I think that it's still Ruby because you still have all all the keywords of the language. You have the entire uh, object model. You can do everything you used to do in Ruby. So it's it's more a subset of Ruby, perhaps. Um, so it's subruby. Perhaps subruby. But the funny thing is that Matt is working on on the same thing more or less. It's working on mruby, which is a again a, a dialect of Ruby, a, like a subset of Ruby for a, for optimized um, optimized for mobile devices. Um, so it's actually a good idea. I think that well, if you want to be pedantic, uh, you you should be able to call something Ruby if it follows the Ruby uh, the Ruby standard the Ruby um, the Ruby standard that uh, the folks in Japan are working on. So I know that there are a few pages ready right now. So I guess that you could call something Ruby if it follows these uh, these standards, perhaps. But Have you felt pressure to to get Ruby Motion out quickly and stay ahead as Matt's is working on the mobile Ruby? Uh, actually, no, because we we were planning to release uh, Ruby Motion at this time, and cool. I, I I also I also knew about Matt's uh, Matt's work. So that wasn't a surprise, mm -hmm. and uh, no, no, that's that's not related. No. Mm. But if we can go back to the topic, uh, sorry, in Ruby Motion, what I will probably do very soon is uh, do a, a page in the website that shows the the stuff, the Ruby stuff that that, that hasn't been uh, enabled in Ruby Motion, so that people can actually have a have a look and see uh, if there is something uh, critical missing, and some of the features like Evolve, for instance, could be implemented, but I don't want to take the risk to implement them, as I said. So um, I will try to explain myself about that on on the website, and hopefully it will uh, open uh, different discussions about this. Right. So that's a good point, Laurent. Is that uh, one of the design goals of Ruby Motion was that you could build apps with it and sell them in the App Store, right? That it is a hundred percent compliant with Apple's guidelines. Yeah, and so yeah, exactly. So that that's the main goal. So the goal is not to run Ruby on Rails on your iPhone, of course. Uh, Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> not sure if it would be a good good idea because Rails is a very very big code base, and yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the goal is to write iOS apps in Ruby. So it may not be 100% Ruby, but it's it I think it's still Ruby for most people, at least for me. Yeah. So you so you heard it here first, folks. Does not run Ruby on Rails on your iPhone. You so, know, when somebody yeah. when he said that it just brought to mind like rack mountable iPads. <laughs> <laughs> and you just stand near to me and be a rack adapter. <laughs> Does anybody have an iPad? I need more RAM. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah, uh, so one thing that really appeals to me, I mean, besides the fact that it's it's Ruby, um, is uh, I've I've been playing a little bit with iOS development. I'm probably going to play with it a little bit more and actually learn Objective C. But one thing that, uh, or, or learn it better anyway, but one thing that really appealed to me was just that uh, it seems like there's a lot of uh, memory management that you have to keep track of, and it seems like RubyMotion does a lot of that for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so in, in RubyMotion, yeah, RubyMotion is a bit like uh, the latest Objective-C uh, version that has uh, automatic release count uh, arc, the, the arc feature of Objective-C. RubyMotion does it, but at runtime, uh, but the, the difference in Remotion is that you have you don't need to create auto-release pools around your objects, and you don't need to deal with uh, you don't need to manually uh, release uh, CF types. So for people who are not familiar with this, uh, CF types are C uh, C-based objects that are present in certain parts of iOS. Certain iOS frameworks are exclusively C-based, and they return fake C objects and in Ruby Motion, you don't need to, you don't need to release them, so they are taken care of for you also. Mm-hmm. And one thing that isn't done yet, but will be done very soon, is that in Ruby Motion, you won't need to uh, to care about cycles, so um, cyclic references. When you have two objects, uh, uh, when two objects have a reference to each other at the same time, uh, both objects are are actually going to leak in traditional uh, return count systems like ARC in Objective-C. And uh, in RubyMotion, uh, the RubyMotion runtime will be able to detect uh, cycles for you and automatically uh, release both objects. That's really cool. Yeah. So one other thing that um, I, I, when I was poking around with this, I found um, your GitHub repository with all of the examples in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But... Uh, in fact, let me type that in just so that I don't forget. Um, but anyway, one thing that I noticed was that uh, I, I was looking at the like the app delegate and the the beers um, app, and mm-hmm. I realized pretty fast that I actually need to. Um, there there is some level of understanding you have to have both of Objective C and of the the um, frameworks that are used uh, to mm-hmm. build iOS apps. So it's it's not just that you can get in there and hack out some some Ruby, but you actually have to understand the APIs that you're dealing with, and exactly. uh, you also have to understand just a few things about Objective C. For example, um, you know they call uh, alloc and init in order to um, allocate space for the object and then set it up. And so you know there are a few little things like that that are still kind of Objective C like. Are, are there any other things that? Uh, that you guys noticed while you were playing with it like that? Uh, you mean, you, yes. So um, so it's actually true that you need to have some notion of Objective-C and some notion of iOS to use RubyMotion right now. You don't need to, learn, you don't need to know Objective-C uh, to use RubyMotion. You just need to be able to read Objective-C interfaces and know how to use them in Ruby. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a, a, something uh, important to, to say because uh, in order to, to learn Objective-C, you need to learn C first because Objective-C is a, is a small uh, runtime on top of C. And uh, for a lot of people, it's already a big, a big issue to learn C. But uh, you need to know bits of Objective-C to, to use Remotion, and you also need to, do, to, uh, to learn about iOS, so all the frameworks. or the. For instance, you were talking about the app delegate. This is exactly something you need to learn. So you need to learn about UIKit or to create uh, UI views, 
these kind of things. So right now, it's true that if you look at the samples in the in, on the GitHub repository, you will see that it's it more or less looks like Objective C calls. I mean, we are using the same APIs as Objective C, and of course, it's Ruby, so it's a little bit different. You don't have other files, you don't have all the boilerplate code to create classes and and these kind of things. So it looks a bit cleaner, but it's still uh, direct calls to the same APIs as you would do in Objective C. Yeah. One other thing that I noticed that I I thought was kind of interesting is that you implemented um, are they called named parameters? But, yes. So so you basically have that running in in there, which Ruby doesn't have. Yeah, that's true. So that that's actually a MacRuby thing. We yeah, we, this has been around since a few years. Yeah, that's we 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 actually extended the language to support uh, name parameters when you define methods. So it's something we 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 talk about uh, with Matt a long time ago. But uh, but yeah, but to go back on to to go back to this topic, right now you you need to to know about iOS to to use RubyMotion. But the goal of RubyMotion is that uh, people will write uh, high level libraries around iOS. And ultimately, you won't need to, to learn about iOS anymore to use RubyMotion. There will be uh, DSLs around around UIKit, Core Data, and that will let you write uh, applications in in pure Ruby. As in as in pure Ruby, I mean, you won't see any calls to iOS anymore. That's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And right now, the project is just three weeks ago, three weeks old, I think, two or three weeks. But we are we are already uh, seeing. Um, Ruby Motion users working on these DSLs. For instance, there, there are actually there are there are two nice DSLs around Core Data so far, and they are both very promising. So I think that uh, eventually there will be enough libraries around so that you won't need to learn about iOS. You will just go on GitHub and pick the libraries you need and bootstrap your application. Hmm. So you're saying you think there will be almost Rails-like frameworks for putting interfaces, uh, you know, interfaces in, or, or like you said, interfacing with core data, and that really you'll just read through how that particular framework does whatever it does, and then you'll use that. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you don't have require, oh, so was someone else talking? I was just saying, you can take the Rails out of the Ruby, but the Rails will come find it again. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, so without require, um, how would you include those libraries or frameworks? Uh, so there would be a way to create uh, Ruby Ruby gems uh-huh. for Ruby Motion projects. So I'm still working on this right now. Uh, there will be some documentation soon. But uh, ideally, you would just package your library as a Ruby gem, and inside your project rig file, you would just require the the gem, and you would be done. I mean, you would be all set. The the the, the code would be. Add that to your project automatically. Uh-huh. So, right. so it's kind of coming, a global require. Soon, you said. Uh, yeah. So uh, actually, it's it's you can do this right now. It's not, but I want to to write some sort of specification documentation so that people will follow uh, the same um, the same way to write these kind of gems. So I'm going to write uh, to work on this documentation. But right now, if you if you if you search on GitHub, you will see that people are actually uh, working around this limitation by. Telling people to git clone their code inside a specific directory in their project, and then hack the rec file to to uh, to use uh, to use the code of that specific project. So there there is already a way right now to to do that. But I really want uh, a generic solution so that everyone can follow the same uh, way. And I think Ruby Gems is the perfect way to to deliver extensions for that. 
So you've, you've hit on a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, probably the other biggest complaint I've seen leveraged, you, you talked about how you do have to have familiarity with UI kit and use, you know, how to use that to build interfaces. And a lot of people have asked, why can't we use Interface Builder? Oh yeah, so um, so you so you can you can use Interface Builder. Uh, it's not really great because you it's not integrated with Xcode, so you won't see your uh, your Ruby code in Xcode in the same way you would see it in TextMate or VI. Um, but you can use Interface Builder to create uh, zip files, and then you you simply cop- uh, copy the zip files inside your project. And then the Ruby Motion build system should be able to compile these uh, zip files into NIP files and then ship them inside your app. So that should work. But honestly, I don't think this is the way uh, we should go. I think that Ruby is a very elegant language, and uh, it's it's so easy to create nice DSLs in Ruby uh, to do a very specific thing. And I, I don't see why we shouldn't have a DSL to build uh, user interfaces in Ruby. It's much better to to lay out your your, uh, your UI elements in Ruby, especially because we can have some you you can have a DSL that is very visual. Just by reading the code, you already know how the elements will be um, will be actually packed in in your application. It's actually funny because in in OS X, in uh, in Lion in the in the Cocoa framework, uh, there is a way to to actually do layouts using an ASCII like language. So this is this is an Objective C, right? This is an Apple technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a way to use an ASCII-like language to actually pack views, so that you you don't have to use Interface Builder. But sadly, because you can do DSLs in in Objective C as you would do in Ruby, uh, you need to pass a string, and then inside the string there is a small language, and it looks a bit of weird. It looks a bit weird, and you need to provide an array of views after so that the, the language processor knows exactly which views it can pack. So it's not very natural, but in Ruby, we can do much, much, much better. And so this is a, this is my point. So I would rather uh, prefer to use a DSL and do this in Ruby, except that, I mean, rather than using an uh, interface builder. Mm-hmm. So the other thing you've mentioned uh, multiple times is Ruby Motion is rack based and or rack based, geez, rake based. Um, yeah. So it, it uses rake to you know compile your application and stuff like that, uh, which I, I found really cool. And uh, the other thing that that's tied in with that that I I have to say is the killer feature for me was um, the console that it gives you while your app is running. Do you want to yes. talk about that? Oh, that was so bit? sick. <laughs> So yeah, actually, it, so it's a rich, rich Kilmer's idea to do the consult. So he convinced me to to do something like that. So if you want to give credits, it it should all the credits should go to Rich Kilmer. Rich <laughs> Kilmer, we love you. Yeah, that yeah. was that was neat. So so just to clarify for the listeners, like you know, when you fire up a Ruby Motion app, it brings up the iPhone simulator and and you're playing with it. But in the console, you can sit there and grab objects and, you know, make changes on them. And that's reflected in the simulator. So, like, you know, oh, I don't want this object here. Let me change its X, Y coordinates and boom, it moves, you know. Yeah, but the thing that I thought was coolest about that was that if you hold down command and then you click on an element in the simulator then it changes the the console so that self is now that object. 
and then yeah. you can modify that object directly. And so then and you can reposition it just by doing self dot whatever the uh, API call is and just move it. And I love that it's actually interactive, right? You're like, you're holding down, is it command or is it option? But anyway, anyway you're holding down the button and you're moving the, the mouse cursor over the UI and things are lighting up. It's like Google's, yep. you know, like in Chrome when you're doing like inspect element. Um, mm -hmm. The different things are lighting up, and over on the console, you're seeing which object you're currently over, and then when you pick one, yeah, that, that becomes self, and you can manipulate it. That's awesome. Yeah, for for this actually, so it's also Rich Kimber's idea to do that. So we, he was sitting in a Starbucks, I think, and I was doing a little bit of web programming. I was doing the website of RubyMotion, and I was using Firebug. So uh -huh. it's pretty similar to what you you say about Chrome. And uh, I was, we were just talking, and I, and I think we were talking about it would be great if we could have something like Firebug, but for uh, iOS, <laughs> where you could just use a mouse to uh, to grab an element because it's actually very boring to to use the view uh, hierarchy. To, mm -hmm. I mean, and and after that, I, I tried to implement something, and it worked. So, but again, that's also uh, all the credit should go to Rich. <laughs> well, Rich, we love you more. That's good, because he's been a marginal community member up to this point, you know, so it's good that he's finally pulling his weight. <laughs> no, I, I love the console. I think that's really neat, especially, you know, just, you know, the, the visibility it gives you into the program and being able to play with things while it's running and you're like, well, that's not quite what I want. What if I did this? You know, then you can see and then you know that's right and you can take that code and put it back. You know, it's great. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think that, so, go ahead. Yes. well, I, I was just saying about one of the features I would really want to implement <laughs> is to extend the, the REPL, so the, the interactive console, to reload the code as you save files. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. So, you know, right now when you change uh, the code, you need to exit the ripple and start rake again. And I would really want that if the ripple was able to compile the files and load to inject the new code in the simulator at runtime. That would be amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so tell us, what are your uh, plans for the future? I mean, you've talked a little bit about how you hope that you know uh, frameworks and DSLs will spring up around it, and it looks like that's definitely starting to happen and then some changes you would like to make to the internals. It looks like you're kind of at the beginning of a long road here and, and where are you hoping to go with it? Yeah. So um, actually I didn't expect uh, RubyMotion to be as popular uh, quickly. So I'm very impressed by what people are doing with it. So I my goal right now is to make sure that it works for everyone and because there are a lot of people using RubyMotion right now and there are a lot of bugs that I didn't know about. So I'm just trying to fix all these bugs and making sure that it works for everyone at least. And then I would like to improve the, the interactive console. I would like to work on Rails-style Rails generators uh, for the Rake interface. Because right now, when you want to create a new controller, a new view, uh, you need to, uh, to create a new empty file and then paste some border code. And I would like to have something like Rails when you can have uh, perhaps motion uh, generate controller or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a good a good uh, addition to the project. But my biggest concern right now is all all the all the things the community is doing, and I need to to make sure that it's going in the well in a good direction and that people are, have have all the help they 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 need to do the things they want. So and also I really want to. Uh, 
I think that the, the, the DSL, the DSLRs around RubyMotion will be the killer feature of RubyMotion. Also, the reason why people will pick Ruby instead of another language to do app development. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to focus on this area and try to help people to design the best uh, DSLs around, around iOS. Right. So one other thing that I've ha I've heard a few people bring up is the fact that you actually have to pay for RubyMotion instead of, you know, just releasing it open source. Um, yeah. Is is that mainly so that you can spend the time that it takes to put something like this together, or w were there other reasons for you to, uh, you know, kind of close the source and sell it? So my my goal was to, to try to make a living uh, out of it. And and right now I can say that it's it's doing very well. Uh, but I would like to hire uh, people to work on on RubyMotion with me, especially uh, MacRuby uh, contributors. Mm -hmm. And so all of this takes money. And I wasn't sure that going open source would be a good idea, at least at the beginning. And so right. and also I always wanted to do a startup since uh, many many years ago. So I just say, why not? People are already, um, perhaps not everything must be open source. I would try to, I would like to open source some parts of RubyMotion in the future, um, especially the pure Ruby uh, files of RubyMotion, because I really want people to be able to hack them and uh, extend them. But if we can, if I can keep uh, parts of RubyMotion closed source so that it creates a revenue stream. Uh, then I can try to make a living out of it, and I can support the project at the same time. And perhaps this can work, uh, because in open source, open source only works where uh, when the contributors are actually paid by a company. It's really tough to have a project, an open source project, where people just act on their spare time, especially a, a significant project. So, so that that's just my experience with open source, especially at Apple. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's probably my motivation to to have a remotion as a as a commercial pro product. Um, at the same time, we try to so I, I talk a little bit about the pricing with people before doing it, and we try to have a pricing uh, that is uh, that is not expensive that that pro that. Uh, that is close to what actually people are charging uh, if they do iOS consultancy, what they are charging per hour, mm -hmm. so that uh, we can have uh, as many uh, iOS developers as possible on board. And um, so th that's th that was our uh, that was our motivation. Yeah, that makes sense. So one other question that that comes to mind is, uh, I mean, this kind of made a splash in the Ruby community. Did it make much of a splash in the iOS development community? Uh, yes, yes, there are, there are lots of iOS developers who are talking about it. Apparently, uh, so of course there are people who don't like it because it doesn't come from Apple, so it stinks. <laughs> uh, although people say that oh that's a um, that's a proprietary runtime created by a young startup, so I don't want to base my multi-billion-dollar company on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but they're not really multi-billion dollars yet. <laughs> that that's actually true. I mean, um, if I was a multi-billion-dollar company, I probably wouldn't use Ruby Motion. Uh, I don't know. But of course, there are all there are all there are always um, ways to address these people. But uh, so in iOS, I think that I mean in the Objective C world, uh, Ruby Motion is a good is a good thing because it will bring more people to the community. There are there are, there are many smart programmers who who will pick uh, iOS very quickly because of Ruby Motion, uh, and that they they wouldn't have even thought about doing iOS development before because they are not familiar with Xcode and Objective C. 
Mm-hmm. And I think this this would be a good thing uh, overall. Now, of course, in, in the Ruby community, um, mostly everyone uh, seems to like RubyMotion. In the Objective-C community, probably not, because they already know the language. So they, they, they probably don't need uh, to use RubyMotion. Yeah, I have a few friends that have uh, transitioned from the Ruby community to the iOS community, and I'm I'm pretty sure that they're going to be pretty happy about about this. So, so we're, yeah. we're saying that we think maybe Ruby Motion is a, a easier ramp into iOS development, a gateway drug, so to speak, for iOS development. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> That's really great. I, I personally, you know, uh, when we were talking about uh, you charging for it, I was personally very glad to see that you charged for it. I think it was uh, Avdi actually that tweeted, tweeted uh, sometime last week or something, you know, please charge for your product so that I know that you care about it. You'll support it. It'll stick around, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. I, I think that's great. Yeah. Yep. So that's yeah. So that that's a problem when you don't charge for something, uh, you you can't support it. I mean, unless of course you are hired by a big company and they they pay you salary. Uh, I wanted to have freedom of what I what I do, and I didn't want to work for another big company. So yeah, I guess the only way is to charge. Yeah. So, that's, okay. so Laurent, I have I have a question. Um, so you're you're kind of dancing around the Apple uh, App Store submission guidelines, and you're trying to stay clear of that. Has, has this been acid tested yet? Has are there any apps in the App Store right now that have been written with Ruby Motion? Uh, yes, there are. There is Ooh. one. There is one that I uh, uh, that that I, I work on uh, uh, along with uh, Ella Duran, mm-hmm. which is a, a MacRuby contributor and also the author of CocoaPods. And he's also one of one of my heroes. So if he's listening to this co- to this uh, podcast, he will know that. <laughs> but yeah, there is one uh, Ruby Motion app on on the App Store, at least one. And as far as I know, there are people have been submitted applications last week. So uh, okay, are... I've got my iPad open right now. You need to tell us what the app is. <laughs> okay, so the application is called uh, Mustachio. Mustachio. So it's spelled M-U-S-T-A-C-H-I-O. Mustachio. And mm-hmm. actually, if you go on blog.rubymotion.com, uh, I think the latest uh, blog article mentions the application. So you can just click there. And so it's written in Mac, it's written in Ruby Motion. Awesome. So Lamont, that's a great point. You just mentioned the blog. Um, we've mentioned multiple times in this podcast the website. Um, Ruby Motion actually launched with a great website, and it's already useful. There's a development center, which is where I went to find documentation when I was uh, playing around with it. Um, that that was obviously a, a goal for you uh, when you launched it, which I think is great because I always do it the other way, which is really dumb. I just throw the code out there and I'm like, "Yay, I'm done!" And nobody knows how to use it or anything like that, you know. Whereas mm-hmm. the website is a great resource. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I we tried, of course, to keep the develop the developer center updated, uh, but I think one of the one of the one of the biggest assets we had when we launched. Was the um, uh, the Pragmatic Studio screencast? Uh, if you go on on the developer web, on the developer center of, of the Ruby Motion website, you will see that there is a pointer to a to a 15 minutes uh, video made by uh, the Pragmatic Studio. And Mike Mike Clark did the video uh, a week before the launch, 
And that video, I think, uh, probably helped a lot of people to understand what, what Ruby Motion is and how to get started. And so that that was that was uh, that was key, I think. Yeah, I agree. That's really mm. great. And uh, yeah, so and uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed the website. Also, we worked on the website for a uh, for a few weeks before it was be- before the launch. I think. So so is that website written in Rails or something else? Uh, no, it's uh, it's um, actually it's uh, the website is uh, is static st- static HTML files. Oh, cool. And uh, it's written, so I, I actually coded the website myself, and I taught myself web programming because I, I didn't know about CSS and SASS and Compass and Haml. So I, I learned all these uh, technologies. Uh, That's awesome. J- just to do the website. <laughs> That's funny. Because I wanted to understand how, how to maintain it after. So nice. I, I work with a web designer, of course, to do, to do the design. But I, I try to code the website myself, and mm-hmm. and I'm really glad I'm not a web developer. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing I want to jump in on real quick because I mean we've talked about the frame or the you know we've talked about Ruby Motion, we've talked about where to get it and some of the resources that are out there, but. I just want to make sure that people know that uh, there are just some terrific resources out there for iOS development. Um, mm-hmm. Apple, if you go to developer.apple.com, um, they have the iOS developer library that is just awesome for explaining yeah. how all this stuff works. Um, and you can actually, one of the things that I was doing when I was playing with um, one of the sample apps is as I went through, I started Googling some of the class names that are in here, like UI window or UI screen. Um, just to get an idea of what those classes do in um, Objective-C. And I just have to point out that uh, if you have any trepidation whatsoever about programming in iOS and you want to understand what is being used there, then just go to the Apple documentation. It is awesome. Yeah. And I I, I, I don't know much about the iOS books. I mean, about the books that are available right now on iOS. But I was told that the the book uh, made by the Pragmatic Programmers so I, I don't know the title by her, but I, I was told that the book is very good. Uh, Jim Weyrich, not sure if I pronounce his name correctly. Uh, Jim uh, Weyrich, yeah. yeah. Jim Weyrich, okay. He, so uh, he did uh, his first Ruby Motion app in, in the morning, and he didn't know about iOS at all. So he picked that book, and he just made his app, and then he, he sent me a video of the application, <laughs> and that, that was awesome. So I guess that if... If, if you guys are interested in iOS, you probably want to check that book, perhaps. I think the uh, book you're talking about from the Prags is iOS SDK Development, mm, I, be- yeah, I believe probably. is the book. Yeah. So that um, that's interesting, though. I mean, it, it, it would be great. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see, you know, uh, maybe not right now at the beginning, but as some of the uh, libraries and frameworks start to come up about you know, uh, doing interfaces and stuff. I, I'm hoping we'll see some Ruby motion focused books, you know, uh, where, you know, you can go through and learn this kind of stuff without having to go through the Objective-C layer. Although Chuck's right, the documentation and stuff for that is, is pretty great. So, you know, it's, it's not a big barrier at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there anything else that we need to go over before we get into the picks? Mm-hmm. I'm just busy it's, playing with mustachio. <laughs> <laughs> I know I went and downloaded it. Looks like fun. I think it's awesome. I, I think everybody should go play with this. I mean, it's uh, 
it's really the start of something cool, you know. It may it may really push Ruby into another avenue inside of from just web development. You know? Oh, I thought you were talking about mustachio. <laughs> Play with that too. Yeah, yeah, get a picture of James, decorate his face. And if you guys go on the on the on the iTunes page uh, for mustachio, the screenshot is actually a picture of my son. Oh, really? With a mustache, yeah. So that's very funny. That's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, I send a, a link to to my family members about the app, and they will go, "Oh, this is, this is your son, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, so I was told that the application crashes sometimes. Actually, just one guy on Twitter complained about it, and then he made a he made a thing that in Objective C this wouldn't happen. Blah blah blah. So yeah, the there's guy, no way to know that. The guy was pretty trolling, but apparently it crashed for him. But it doesn't crash for me, and it doesn't crash for everyone else, as far as I know. So. I've never had an Objective-C app crash, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have an old this... iPod 2G, and half the stuff that's written for iOS 5, yeah, it, it opens up, it gives you the little splash screen, and then it craps out, so. Yeah. But yeah, and I guess, I mean, if Apple approved it, it means that it didn't crash for them either. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess they actually tried the application before uh, um, accepting it, I guess. Yeah, my understanding is that they, they go through a semi... I, I think it depends on when you submit and, and who's looking it over, but it's it's a reasonably rigorous process to make sure that it's stable and doesn't cause any other problems on the phone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it makes sense. I mean, if, if you can get them into the App Store, then... You know, it, it, it stands up to scrutiny with Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there is no reason why Apple would, would reject uh, really, really motion apps. And also there are similar uh, projects around like uh, Xamarin Monotouch, which is, a, which, is a, which is an awesome tool chain, but for C-sharp development. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, hundreds of applications on the App Store, I think even thousands, I don't know. And, and uh, Apple approved all of the, all of them. So yeah, but they don't crash either, though, do they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, it's funny because uh, so the crash. So if I read the, the tweet of the guy correctly, the crash is about uh, the empty uh, question mark method that was called on a nil object. Mm. So an exception was raised, and of course the application crashed. And uh, and of course, it, 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 in Objective C, when you try to send a message to a nil object, it doesn't it doesn't raise raises an exception, so it does nothing. So that's that's uh, a Objective C that. Uh, and so the argument of the guy was that if it was written in Objective C, it would not have crashed, and which is uh, true, right. Which so is if you had done this, if you had done this in a different language with different behavior, the behavior would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, okay. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page here, Twitter. See, I, I would have used it as an opportunity to see, say, see, kids, that's why nil's bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because in Objective C, when you, it's actually very bad to, um, I mean, to to use this behavior in your control flow. You see what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sending a, sending a message to nil is something you really don't want to. To expect, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and yet people are using this. But yeah. So anyway, so if Mustachio crashes for you, and if you see like this exception in your uh, in your device log, so it will probably push a new uh, an update that fixes this bug soon. All right, cool. So, so uh, how, how did you fix it? Uh, I I didn't actually fix the bug yet. I mean, I I I have yet to look at the at the code. 
But the cool thing is that the code is less than 100 lines of code. So it's only 100 lines, so it, it, will, it will be very uh, easy to spot the bug, I think. Nice. Um, and it wouldn't be as easy if the application was written in Objective-C. <laughs> But I mean, you're not going to just change the behavior so that nil.empty doesn't crash. Uh, I would try to understand why 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 the object was nil. Was nil in the first place? Yeah, right. of course. And then I would try to yeah. It's probably it's, it's definitely a bug. It shouldn't be nil, I guess. Yeah. But um, I don't know. We shall see. At the same time, the application was written in half a day uh, by uh, Elo Duran which I thanked twice, and then I submitted it on a Sunday very quickly. So I'm actually very impressed that Apple approved it. <laughs> yeah. I thought they would probably say, okay, you need this, you need that. Uh, although I sent the application without a Retina icon, which, which is a mistake, and I realized it after the submission, and I saw, okay, Apple will just reject it because I don't include the, the high-resolution icon. But it, they did, and actually the app was approved. So it looks like you don't need to send a Retina icon in your applications. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, I, I was told by a few um, RubyMotion users that uh, they have actually submitted applications uh, last week. So next week, I guess, because it takes roughly a week to get an application approved, we should have more, uh, more RubyMotion apps in the store. And so we try to. That's cool. I try. I try to make um, a page on the website that uh, lists them, and with pointers to iTunes, so that people can actually try them, and and hopefully they won't crash because sending messages on nil. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. so much for talking about it with us. It's really awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm we I'm look, excited to be playing with this. So. Yeah, we look forward to uh, what it what it grows into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's get into the picks. Um, James, do you want to start us off? Sure. Okay, so uh, this pick comes out of a Twitter discussion that I had yesterday. Um, this year is code year. Did you guys know that? Everybody's supposed to learn to code this year who didn't know that. Um, code year? You mean like yeah. the Chinese Zodiac? This is the year of the code? <laughs> it's the year of the code, yeah. It, okay. And, um, so this has been actually a controversial thing, uh, which surprised me. Um, there have been people writing posts like this one, which I'll link to in the show notes, about why this is a bad thing. And it basically turns out because uh, New York's mayor, Mike Bloomberg, said that he's joining Code Year. He's going to learn to code a little bit this year. And um, so people were like, no, don't do that. I mean, you should be doing your job, not learning to code. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so apparently uh, Mike Bloomberg, just to be totally clear, did not say he was going to stop being the mayor. <laughs> and he, he didn't say he was applying for a job at Apple or anything like that. <laughs> he just said that he was going to spend a little time learning a program. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing at He's, all. Uh, he just wants a job, something to fall back to in case his day job falls through. I guess, yeah. but I, I don't think he's trying to become a crack developer. I think he's trying to uh, learn something new. You know, uh, you know, some of us might choose to learn a language or learn to play the sax or whatever, and that probably doesn't have anything to do with our our day job. You know, but that. That's okay because learning new things, right, teaches us new ways to think about things, and that's really good and uh, stuff like that. So, anyways, I I'm really for this movement. Um, some some of the other complaints have been why does it have to be programming? 
It absolutely doesn't <laughs> have to be programming. You know, you could you could learn math. Uh, everybody could use to improve their math a little bit uh, or something. But uh, you know, the a slogan of "It's learn something year" isn't near as cool as the slogan <laughs> of "It's code year." So uh, yeah. I think they just picked a specific thing, and next year we'll all learn French. So well, it, it, if you had. If you had named it, it's learn something year, those same people would stay up and complain and say, well, why does it have to be learn something year? Why can't it be forget something year? I, I don't know. That's right. I, I, so, just, I just want to know when they're going to have the code year blimp. The code year blimp. Yeah. Code year blimp. So anyways, there's lots of activities going on uh, around this, uh, it being code year, and you should definitely keep an eye out. There's people working together to learn. Um, there's uh, programming sites that are, you know, offering, uh, opening up some of their content for, for, you know, time so that people can learn. And I realize I'm totally preaching to the choir here because probably everybody that listens to this probably knows some rudimentary programming. And can so I So actually, I'm putting the task on you guys. Um, go out there and tell people about this because this is cool. I mean, you know, seriously, when you're sitting around with your friends this weekend, just say, hey, do you guys know it's code year? You want me to show you how to... <laughs> Uh, write some code, you know, you want to fire up an application and learn to make your own website like Laurent did, you know, or show them enough <laughs> JavaScript that they can draw on a canvas or something like that. You know, I think it's um, it's an awesome movement and there's no reason that uh, we shouldn't be supporting this effort. And then, like I said, next year we'll all learn French or whatever, but it's a learning Plumbing. plumbing. There we go. Right. That's right. Yeah. Next year we'll learn plumbing because that'll is be that going to be crackier? <laughs> crackier. Or if you're Opti, you can teach people Lisp because then they can use dash instead of underscore. So. Yep. Exactly. Oh yeah. Technically, <laughs> technically they could also learn fourth and still keep their dashes. I see. I'm sorry. Fourth is another option. One more pick. I got one more pick. Um, I've been watching uh, Mad Men on uh, Netflix. That's uh, a pretty great show. Especially if you liked my uh, earlier pick of uh, Downton Abbey, Mad Men's probably up your your um, uh, in your interests because uh, to me it's kind of uh, Downton in a different time period, only darker. Uh, I don't think there's any good guys in Mad Men, uh, <laughs> but strangely, it's uh, very compelling um, and it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, to watch. Uh, they do a good job of the period. This one's uh, 1960s, um, and they do a great job of, of being true to the period. You know, everybody talks about the, uh, the sexism and the racism and stuff, and the show definitely has uh, plenty of that. Um, that uh, the part I enjoy as a parent is all the insane things they do with their children. Like uh, the child comes in with the dry cleaning <laughs> bag on her head. You know, and uh, the mom's yes. like, if, if you took those clothes out and left them on the floor, you're really going to be in trouble. You know, no, no comment about the bag on the kid's head. You know? uh, or uh, they're driving the car and the kids are, you know, loose, climbing over the seats, you know, moving around everywhere. It's awesome. So uh, pretty cool period piece and uh, really enjoyable. It wins a lot of awards. The acting is stellar. So uh, those are my recommendations. I I think it's interesting that you picked Mad Men, and I have to second that it must be in the same wheelhouse because Mad Men and Downton Abbey both share a cold, dark spot in hell in my heart. 
in that I have tried to watch both of them, and I did not make it through the pilot of either one. Oh, man. I turned them both off halfway through. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care how this ends. I want to not know. <laughs> <laughs> There's an endorsement for you. Nice. So those are the two points of view for Mad Men. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, Avdi, what are your picks? Your worship. Have we lost it? Is he still muted? Push the mute button. <laughs> All right, Dave, what are your picks? The, the great part is the editor's going to go through and, like, clamp out all the silence bits. So it's going to be like, Avdi, what are your picks? Are you still there? Hey, Avdi, turn off the mute button. <laughs> the, the, the timing is just going to be all gone. So, yeah. So, Maybe he'll uh, take that whole section out. Who knows? He yeah. Did, yeah, he needs to. He, he yeah. disconnected. He'll come Obvious, back. Obviously, right. reconnect. So, Dave, so, what are your picks? My picks. All right. So, um, I'm in uh, San Francisco this week for one last, actually, just uh, two more days. And then I finally you get to go home. You keep saying that. You keep saying you're going home. We don't believe it. I am so homesick and ready to go home. I, you, just, you just can't believe it. Um, I've been out uh, working with the folks at Juanilo.com and uh, helping them uh, move their app off of Java to Ruby on Rails. And it's just been so much fun. Um, watching some some developers that are new to Ruby, and you know, watching them have that delightful moment of you know, I, I literally told one 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 of the guys, pay attention to yourself and be aware of that first moment when you become consciously aware of the fact that you are experiencing pleasure as you code. And um, he's like, whatever. And I'm like, no, seriously, you've spent your life in Java. You've spent your life tricking the compiler into doing what you want. And this is a language that will and, – and two days later, I was explaining to I – I had, I had written out a map statement that used symbol to proc. And he's like, what the heck is that ampersand colon thing? And so I explained symbol to proc to him. And like he sat back and went, that is so cool. And I'm like, see? See? Mm. So, <laughs> so anyway uh, – we're building this project, and I'm getting exposed to a lot of uh, tools and uh, libraries that I learned five years ago, threw them in my backpack, and forgot about them. And apparently, Ruby developers keep building new tools, and so there's new stuff out there. So my two picks for today are um, uh, root through your backpack, kids, and uh, find the old thing and throw it out and pull out the new one. The first one is if you're using Paperclip, you need to take a look at Carrier Wave. Um, Carrier Wave uh, is basically an image uploading gem. Or plug in for or it's a gem, and uh, basically it just makes it really easy to attach images. Makes it really easy to uh, give the user a JavaScript uh, snippet that uh, on the form that lets them upload an image or attach an image from a URL, uh, etc. So very very cool, and it's got a really clean DSL to use in the code. Um, it's not totally perfect. We did we discovered some weirdnesses. Like if you want to change image formats, you have to kind of jump through. Like if you want to store a ping version and a JPEG version, Carrier Wave doesn't like that. You, there's some you have to kind of have to do a Jedi mind trick on it to get it to behave correctly. But it, it can be done. Um, so yeah, if you're using Paperclip, you need to take a look at Carrier Wave. Um, and then the second one is um, if you're still doing your pagination with Mislav will paginate, um, like a lot of us are still using. Um, first of all, Mislav will paginate is the Mislav dash. That means that gem came into life during that brief period of time 
the golden era, I like to call it, when you could uh, get gems from GitHub. And it's uh, the username is Mislav, and then Will Paginate is just the gem for doing pagination. And it's been it's been maintained and updated and brought up to date all the way through uh, Rails three. But there is another uh, pagination gem out there called Kaminari, which is the Japanese word for thunder, apparently. And um, this was somebody on the team said, let's take a look at Kaminari. And I'm like, look, I know how Mislav will paginate works. I, you know, I've, I know it. I understand it. I've forgotten about it. I, I, we, we shouldn't be messing around with other stuff. And then I thought about uh, Rich Hickey's talk at RailsConf where he said, don't confuse easy with simple. Um, or, and so I'm like, okay, all right, I'll go learn something new. And um, it took us maybe 20 minutes to get Kaminari working and then maybe another 90 minutes to get it styled perfectly. I mean, like with Twitter bootstrap, um, using, you know, Ajax uh, pagination calls. And I'm done with, with Will Paginate. There's, there's, there's a new pagination gem in town as far as I'm, I'm concerned. And so um, if you're using Paperclip, take a look at Carrier Wave. If you're using Will Paginate, take a look at Kaminari. Those are my picks. I just want to make one minor clarification. Um, you don't have to use the Mislav Will Paginate anymore. You can just use Will Paginate. Yep. It, is oh, okay, actually, cool. it is actually a normal uh, gem now, and it has oh. been updated for Rails yeah. 3. But I, I do agree that Kaminari is pretty neat. Yep. All right. I believe there's also a Rails cast episode on Kaminari. Yes. <laughs> Nice. We'll get that in the show notes too. Uh, Avdi, what are, what are yes. your picks? Uh, I got a few picks. Uh, first one is uh, inspired by a a post on the uh, the parlay list, actually, the Ruby Rogues parlay list. Um, somebody was asking uh, or was talking about other um, other podcasts or ideas for other podcasts, and I realized I don't think we've ever brought up, uh, or I've, I don't think I've ever brought up the uh, Software Engineering Radio podcast. Uh, which is one of the longest-running uh, software development podcasts that I know of. They're up to, like, I think close to 200 episodes now. Mm. Um, and um, it's, it's a really well-done podcast, and, and what I, I particularly love about it is that they make a concerted effort to, um, to get a sort of a broad cross-section of the software engineering universe on there. So I think, like, one of their, their goals is to kind of um, educate developers on you know the 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 wider ecosystem that they're part of, and and you know maybe introduce them to to ideas that that um, or perspectives that they've you know might not be familiar with because you know they're in the web development field and you know and and there's you know an, a perspective from the embedded microcontroller field or something like that. So um, I just I love it for that. It it really will you know it'll broaden your horizons as a developer. And and the other nice thing about it is that it's the uh, the interviews are very well informed, so there there aren't a lot of stupid questions or or anything like that. You know they they do their homework before doing the interviews, um, and that's at uh, se-radio.com, I believe. Um, uh, a, a quick software pick uh, I've been using at the at various people's recommendations. I've been using Sony Vegas to edit video for a while, and uh, it works pretty well. Uh, and it works quite well inside my uh, Parallels virtual machine. So I've uh, been pretty happy with that. Um, as, as some might have noticed, I've been um, putting up some screencasts lately, and, and I've been using ed- uh, Vegas to uh, Vegas Pro to edit those. Um, and finally, um, I wasn't going to do another one, but uh, James made me think about TV shows, 
And uh, another a TV show that that Netflix recommended to me recently was is um, Ultraviolet, uh, which is an older, well, from the '90s, I think, um, uh, vampire drama um, made uh, uh, made in the UK. And uh, you know, you know, these things can often be cheesy. I, I found this one surprisingly good. It's definitely not as sort of fluffy and bouncy as like a you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that. It's uh, it's honestly it's it's less supernatural and it's 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 more almost like um, it's almost like a Cold War uh, spy series as as two forces sort of two secret forces sort of jockey for for control of the world you know behind the scenes. And uh, and and the people in it are so sort of um, emotionally and morally fried from from decades of of secret war that you're not really sure who's who's better, the humans or the vampires. Huh. Sounds. Can they make sounds a movie out of that? Uh, I don't think so. So I know what you're talking about. Um, there is a mo- a vampire movie um, called Ultraviolet that's much more recent. Um, Oh. And it is, as far as I know, completely unrelated. Okay, because I watched the movie and it was pretty cheese ball. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now this is uh, very like very low special effects and and uh, and yeah, not it's not an, an action thing like the the movie I, was, as I understand it. I just want to point out that I did finish the Ultraviolet movie. So those of you that are trying to figure out where on the good, bad, or stupid spectrum I fall, that's just a na- another data point for you. So, so let us know on Twitter with all the shows you guys listen to. Let us know who has to who has good taste. Jay, James, Avdi, David, Brady. Yeah, we yep. need to know that. Yes, I, I actually <laughs> really want to see. I actually really want to see the Ultraviolet movie because it's um, it's directed by the director of Equilibrium, which is a a movie that, while also cheesy, um, uh, I kind of have a soft spot for. Equilibrium is that the one? Wait, remind me. What That's what the gun katas. It's it's got, yeah uh, yeah. I didn't the yeah. way they're like spinning the bullet around cow carcasses. Yeah, I couldn't. No, even. no, no. You're thinking of a completely different movie. Oh yeah, you're right. That's. Uh, <laughs> I think you're thinking of that like <laughs> Angelina Jolie movie or yes, something. Yes, that yeah. that was terrible. <laughs> oh, uh, I love where this podcast goes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll oh. shut up now. Sorry. There was a Mythbusters, Mythbusters episode Mythbusters. about that, by the way. Yes, Mythbusters bust the curving bullet. Yep, Thank I could have told him that. Hey, yeah, I didn't need Mythbusters <laughs> on that. One. Yeah, it was. It's actually like it's one of those those shows. It's like you. It's a foregone conclusion, but it's actually so much. The episode is so much fun to watch anyway. Just watching them goof around with 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 gun tricks that it's it's worth watching. It's, it's remind me remind me Equilibrium. Now I'm thinking I might know it. And what who's in that? Um, it's uh. Uh, well, let's see. Sean Bean is in it, and uh, in a, in a smaller role. And then, um, ah, I'm blanking on the name of the Batman, etc. Actor, um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah, it's, yes, it's a, yes. It's a it's an early Christian Bale role. Now I remember. I, yeah, I think he does. He does very well in it. But it is kind of dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Best final battle. One of the best final battles in an action movie I've seen. <laughs> All right. So it's this my turn, been, huh? This has been your TV Rogues podcast. <laughs> oh man. Well, there there's an episode of Ruby Freelancers where we talked for about 20 minutes about books, so <laughs> it, awesome. it it happens and you know, it's it's kind of fun, so I leave them in. Anyway, um so my uh random British TV series is Doctor Who. 
<laughs> and uh, I've I've really been enjoying it. I'm at the beginning of season three, so he just uh, picked up a new companion, Martha Jones. And uh, she's my favorite. She's not very popular, but she's my favorite. Oh, I love Karen Gillan. I, I really liked um, Rose Tyler as as a companion, but um, I'm 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 really there. There's something about Martha Jones that I really like too. So anyway. Um, so Doctor Who is definitely a pick for me. I, I've, I've really been liking the show. Um, and what's his name? David Tennant is just so goofy. It's just so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, he's so he's, corny. Yeah. He's the best doctor ever. Yeah, and was it Chris Eccleston? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was in the first season, and then he regenerated into uh, David Tennant. But um, he was really fun to watch, too. So um, anyway... Yeah, you, you, I still sometimes find myself trying to reconcile the two doctors because they're not always exactly, you know, the same. But <laughs> anyway, a fun, fun series. Um, and it's just enough sci-fi to kind of, you know, keep me interested too. So um, one other pick that I have, and this is something that I use. Um, I use a few systems that still use FTP. And uh, there's a really nice client for that that I use. It's called uh, Transmit. And I'll put a I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't I don't know if it's in the Apple App Store it or if I had to download it and install it. But plus it, one thousand on Transmit, best program on the Mac. It's amazing. Yeah, it it's it's also works very well on Linux. Oh really? Yeah, it's cross platform. Oh nice. I, I did not know that. Yeah, and then my last pick, and I know I've picked this on one of the shows before. I think it's probably this one, but I'm gonna pick it again. It's called Total Finder. And uh, when it when it crashes every so often, um, it doesn't do it very often. But when it crashes, it gives you Ruby errors. So I'm pretty sure it's written in Ruby or Mac Ruby. And uh, anyway, what it does is it gives you uh, kind of it gives you tabs in your Finder window, and you can actually if you hit Command U and you have two uh, two folders open, then what'll happen is it'll actually um, open it so that you have the one tab open on the left and the other tab open on the right and you can just drag and drop files across between the two cool. which is really really handy if you're you know moving a few files off of your digital audio recorder into your dropbox folder so your va can edit them so um those are my picks um really- i lied about about uh transmit on on linux i was thinking of transmission sorry Oh yeah, transmission's a cool one too if you're into BitTorrent stuff. Yeah, that uh, that one is cross-platform, and I've used it on the Mac too. It's good. Yep. So I love that we now consider cross-platform to be Mac and Linux. There's there's another <laughs> operating system that it might be might run on, but well, what's it called? I, I can't. OS two. What operating system? OS two. Yeah. Uh, iOS. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amiga. Amiga. Yeah. <laughs> OS two warp all the way, baby. Warp three o. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, so those are my picks. Uh, Laurent, what are your picks? Oh, uh, my picks. So do I need to have two picks? You can have as many as you want. Yep. Many as you want. Or, have one. or, or yeah. as few. Is one yes. enough? Because one is one enough. Is yep, go for it. But don't because pick I... Ruby Motion because we totally see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, because I've been working a lot, I, I haven't really had the opportunity to watch a lot of shows. Uh, except that I I, I watch um, uh, Boardwalk Empire. I'm not sure if I pronounce it correctly. Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. I think it's, I've heard uh, of it, but I haven't watched it. So it's actually a nice show. I really liked it. Um, but my my pick, if I if I had to pick something I really like, 
recently uh, would be uh, Skyrim. I'm not yeah. sure if you guys have been talking about Skyrim. Uh, um, oh yeah, that's good pick. Yep. Okay. Well, see, it's uh, so if 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 you don't know what Skyrim is, is a it's a role playing game for uh, the PlayStation or the the Xbox or the PC, and it's it's an adventure game created by uh, the the awesome guys at Bethesda Softworks. So it's part of the uh, Elder Scrolls uh, franchise, and it's it's just awesome. I mean, I've never had as much fun when playing a video game as uh, I I've been playing all the Elder Scrolls games from Arena. I remember that I spent uh, wow the entire summer playing Daggerfall when I was a kid. That's awesome. <laughs> it was uh, it was incredible. But uh, Skyrim is just the best of all the games, and I had uh, I I cannot describe the fun I had. And yeah, it's pretty. Uh, um, I pretty don't don't need to talk about Skyrim a lot because people are pretty know know about it. Um, but it made me think a lot about uh, startups. It's funny um, because um, when I purchased Skyrim, I realized that I was purchasing a piece of software that made that provided me uh, happiness. And I played Skyrim for many many months, and and uh, it really made me uh, happy. I mean, I was very, I was so excited to play Skyrim, to go back home and and progress and learn new magic skills and this kind of things. And uh, it made me th- it made me think that um, it the, the best thing you can do when selling a software is to to make people happy in exchange. You can sell a software and do something people want, but uh, if you can make people happy, it's even better because you create some sort of um, some sort of community around the the software you're uh, you're delivering to. And uh, I, I think that's awesome. One of the best things that's ever been said on this show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, that made me think a lot because uh, video games are the ultimate software product that give happiness. I think when you think about it. Because a video game is pure happiness; it doesn't serve a need. So you're not buying a video game to fill your taxes or to I don't know to to submit files to a FTP server. You're buying a video game to have fun. So if it doesn't provide fun, uh, it doesn't it doesn't achieve its role. And uh, I think that uh, if you do a startup and you sell a product, if you can make it as fun as a video game, of course it won't you won't be able to make it as fun as a video game. But if you can try to approach uh, in that direction, and in in Ruby Motion, I one of the things I I I didn't want to do, what I wanted to do, but I I was told not to do before launching was to not ship uh, a DSL with Ruby Motion. Originally, I wanted to ship Ruby Motion with a with a DSL that I wrote myself, and then some guys told me you shouldn't do that. You should let people write their own DSLs because it's a fun experience and people will uh, enjoy doing it. And uh, and and I actually and that guy of course was Rich Kilmer again, so he was right. Jeez, that guy, he's everywhere. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually right. And without him, Ruby Motion would not exist. And uh, and he was right because when Ruby Motion was released, uh, many people had fun writing. Even now, they have fun writing DSLs with it. And I don't know, perhaps it's it's like a video game. You you grab a software, you play with it, you have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that so my pick would be Skyrim in particular because that's probably the best video game I played in in the last I don't know perhaps four years or five years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's probably yeah we get we get this deep thought at the end about about you know joy and software and stuff and what you get out of it and 
I, I think that's a really important point. I think a lot of times we kind of miss that point. Yeah, and right now Diablo 3 is released and I can't just wait to buy it, but I know that if I buy it, I will. <laughs> it consume all my time. So I have an even sadder story. I actually own it and I worked like 14 hours yesterday on release day, so I haven't even fired it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh man. <laughs> yeah. I actually have been deferring gratification um, as I work through the Slide Rule Labs, uh, starting that up and going through the rocky patches with that. And, and um, I have promised myself that I'm allowed to, to buy Mass Effect 3 once I, <laughs> once I do this. And I still haven't done it. <laughs> so Diablo 3 is going to have to wait. So I, I just want to note, though, that if you had any doubt that Laurent is a superhero, he owns Skyrim, and he still wrote a static compiler in six months. <laughs> there is, there is, uh, there is, uh, yeah. uh, I actually just finished the game a few weeks ago. I mean, the main quest. But, my yeah. advice to people, if you have not heard of Skyrim, save yourselves! <laughs> it's a it's, great game. It's a really great game. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome and i can't just wait for the next one (laughs) yep all right well let's go ahead and wrap this up um thanks for coming again laurent that it it was really a kind of a cool discussion about an aspect of ruby that we we don't usually talk about you know something on the mobile phone so thank you awesome that's awesome yep so a few announcements here real quick um i did get some uh, information up for the Ru- uh, ruby rogues parlay on the ruby rogues website so if you go to rubyrogues.com, you go look on the right in the sidebar um you can sign up there and uh, we really appreciate the contributions you'll get put on the the mailing list and uh you know we, we've been having some pretty cool discussions on the on the list um is there anything else that we need to announce yes um so the coding challenge is underway and yes. some submissions have started coming in. And uh, I'm noticing that there's Wait, some people Wait, I that won, are, right? It, no, we're not eligible. <laughs> what the heck? Uh, I know, I know. I, I put that in there just for you. It's the James Edward Great the second spoiler clause. That's why we're not eligible to win. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm noticing some really cool things happening in the Twitterverse, and that is... Uh, uh, people are kind of writing in and posting gists and saying, I don't know how to get this any shorter. You know, and it's something that they've got it down to 170 characters. And uh, other people are, are stepping in and taking a look at how to compress the code and you know, ways to play with it. So if, you, you know, if you're experiencing any anxiety about playing in the coding challenge, don't. Get in there and, you know, as, as I used to say, get in there and scratch with the chickens. Um, and uh, if you've got something that's pretty neat but doesn't quite fit into a tweet, post a gist to it, and let's take a look at it and see if we can't get it shortened down. Yep. Um, we also have the book club book club coming out. Um, we finalized the date on that. It's going to be June sixth. We'll be talking to Jesse Stormer about his book, uh, Working with Unix Processes. And if you go to workingwithunixprocesses.com and click on the link to buy the book, use the code book club, you'll get five dollars off. So um, I think that's it. I think that's everything. So thanks for listening. We will be back next week. And until then, go write some really, really short code that does some really, really awesome stuff. Or that runs on iOS. Yes, that too. <laughs>